This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Acts chapter 11. And we won't read this whole chapter It's a pretty revealing chapter that's going to lead into what we want to get to, so I won't go over it too much, but Peter's had some challenges of his own. In a sense of the word, he was prejudiced. He was prejudiced against those who were uncircumcised and the Gentiles, and he didn't want to eat with them, and he didn't want to preach the gospel to them, and he didn't, you know, I'm just, I'm I'm not there. And God had to get his attention by giving him a vision and give him a dream and send him to a man's house. And he said, now, I want you to know one thing. You don't, get a, you, you don't get to call something clean or unclean or common. That's my game. And he adjusted Peter a little bit. He said, this message of Christ is going to be for everybody. And it's going to transcend color barriers. And it's going to transcend cultural barriers. And it's going to transcend... Uh, whether they're a male or female, it's going to transcend everything. And you better get that in, in line pretty quick. And thank God Peter made the adjustment. Amen. So some things have happened and now the gospel is spread and it's spreading fast. And of course, Jesus is back in heaven now. He's already completed his mission and the church has been birthed and it's spreading. And, and the intensity of it is to the point where people are being martyred for, for being a believer or a disciple in Christ. They're literally being killed. Now, folks, we're not quite there in America, but we're almost there. There have actually been, by the way, people killed and shot in America because they said they were Christian. Don't you remember Columbine? Remember those two kids went in and they particularly found out that there were certain kids that called themselves Christians and they, and they shot them. We've had other attacks in the last 15, 18 years where they have specifically, certain individuals have found Christians and when they found they were Christian, they've killed them. And I want you to know that this struggle to present Christ to the world has been going on a long time. And there's always gonna be a group of people that hates followers of Christ. I didn't say dislikes them. Now, they don't mind, as I said last week, gospel light. Oh, they don't mind if you preach a little Jesus, but a little you can do it. You can do this and that. A little Jesus, but God knows, honey, that you got some weaknesses. So he he just going to let you go on that one. Most of the world is not bothered by those kind of so-called believers and preachers who will give you permission slips, so to speak, to go ahead and live like you used to live when you should be living like he lived. Amen. So we're at Antioch, and here we are. 
The greatest conversion that has happened to date has just happened. And it's this man named Paul of Tarsus. And he is a villain and he is public enemy number one of the church. He is, he is seeing to it that Christians, not Christians, we won't call them that yet, but believers, disciples uh, and followers of Christ are being murdered. He's having false witnesses raised up against them and having them brought into the court system and having them killed. And he had it done with a man named Stephen just a couple of chapters before. And he stood there and held the coat of Stephen while they stoned this man to death. And he had great pleasure with what he saw. But God does something amazing and he, he meets God in an unusual place on his way to get some more letters to kill some more Christians. And wouldn't you know it, he gets converted and he gets the real thing. He didn't get religion. He didn't join a church. He didn't just get the star of attendance, but he gets converted on the inside. Something completely changes and turns everything upside down in his life. And now he is full blown going all in for Christ. And some of the early disciples weren't so sure because they saw what he had been before and they weren't sure if they could trust him or not, but God is moving him into the mix now. So here we are in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, now this is the converted Saul who is now Paul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught the people. So they had a revival going on in Antioch. Now, I mean, for all, I mean, can you imagine a year-long revival? My God, I can't get people to church on Thursday night sometime. Some of you I still don't see on Thursday night. It's as if, you know, see, it got quiet. Now, all of you who come ought to be at least cheering right now. There have been revivals in American history that went on for months. They had one down there in Florida for quite a while. It's called The Stand with Rodney Howard Brown where that thing's been going on for months. It's every day, 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 every day. They have a church service every day. And some of us have so much of the world in us, we have to make our bodies get out of bed on Sunday morning just to come on Sunday. All right, but notice this, and the disciples were called Christians first. Everybody say first, first. in Antioch. Up until now, they would say, oh, there goes those, whatever they would say, those crazy people, those Jesuit radicals, whatever they called them. But now they've been in Antioch and something's happened in Antioch. There's a revival going on. And we can only ascertain that there must have been signs, wonders, miracles, healings, cures, because the people on the outside looking in at these people said, it's as if their Christ is still here because they sound like him. They talk like him. They walk like him. They're doing the same thing he did. There must have been signs and wonders and miracles and healings and revival, and they must have been saying no to the sin of the day. And so the outsiders looked in and said, their Christ 
ones, which is what it means. They're Christians and they called them Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They didn't walk around with a sign going, by the way, I am a Christian. I'm a Christian. They didn't wear a big cross around their neck yet. They weren't wrapping with chains yet. You know, a lot of these rap artists will have a big, you know, man, you could, you could get out of the snow with the chains they got. Some of these people got around their neck. And they'll have neon crosses and crosses. Some of these women and guy, guys with big dangling cross earrings, you know. And we got, like I said last week, bumper stickers plastered all over. Jesus, 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 Jesus. But if somebody met you and spent two weeks with you, they wouldn't know you were a Christian by anything. We're in a very confused time in America. There are people claiming to be Christians while they are openly defying scripture. And doing things that are blatantly opposite to what the church was told to do in the New Testament. That's when the church emerged. They are blatantly doing things against it and the whole time calling themselves Christians and telling other people that we are Christians and if you can be like us and be a Christian. GP, are you with me? Okay. I told you one day we're going to get the white people in on this one. I promise you. We're going to bring them all the way along. We will bring the white people on because don't look at my skin and make, don't look at my skin and judge. You judge it wrong already because you don't know me. Now, apparently, apparently, these were some really sold out, completely converted, I mean, all the way Christ-like ones. For this pagan place called Antioch, which was, as I said this morning, a metropolitan city. They had modernized for that day. They were modernizing. It was the second most book mentioned in the book of Acts, I told you last week, the third most important city in Rome at that time. And it was emerging. And for those people on the outside to look at them and the only word they could have to identify with them is that they're Christians. I mean, they're just like Christ. What, what, a, what a thing to be called. Amen? Now, over in Acts chapter 26, we'll go over there quickly. We're going to look at the second time this word Christian appears in the Bible. I would love to go back and give you some background here. I don't have time. If you were to go back to chapter 25, you could read some stuff where Paul first appears before Agrippa and he, you know, Agrippa comes in and he's, the Bible says he comes in with all this pomp and because he's such a, you know, he's making sure everybody knows, you know, King Agrippa has arrived, you know. And, uh, but Paul stands before them and he declares the Christ. He declares Jesus unto them. He's not moved by their power. He's not moved by what they could do to him, knowing that he used to be in that position to see what could be done to Christians or people who called themselves followers. He's not moved by any of it. And he lays out the fact, I believe in the resurrection that Jesus came, he died, he was raised from dead. I believe it with all of my heart. It happened. You're, if, you're, if you're asking me to appear before you, that is my message to you. So Agrippa gets this audience 
with Paul. And we can go over to chapter 26. And Paul says to him, you know, he's before Festus and Festus has brought him before Agrippa. Verse 26, for the king knows of these things. Everybody says he knows of these things. And if you read back the other verses at some time, you ought to read them. Paul goes all the way back to what God said to Moses and what God said to the prophets. And, 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 and by the way, these kings knew the history. They knew the history. He said, I know you know, but what I'm here today to tell you, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough just to know about him. So let's get that straight. Knowing about him does not make you a Christian. All right. He said, for, for the king knows these things for whom also I speak freely. For I'm persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. And then Paul challenges him. He says, King Agrippa, believe you the prophets? He said, I know that you believe. I know you know the history. I know you believe. You, heard, you know that Jesus was predicted. Jesus was prophesied. You, you were told that the Christ would come. I know you know this. I know you believe that the prophet said it. I know you believe it. And he was so intense and he was before this powerful man that in the natural had his life in his hand. But then he said to King Agrippa, or King Agrippa said to him, he said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Now that hit me to think of it this way. Are you persuading anybody to be a Christian? The way you're living the way you talk, the way you walk. I said last week, if I'm a husband, there's a difference in me and the husbands out in the world because I'm not just a husband, I'm a Christian husband. Amen. Which makes me a different kind of husband. I'm not the kind of husband that wants another woman. I'm not going to stand around other men while they joke and Tell me how wonderful it would be to be with her or her or that one or that one. or Oh, you know, she fine and all that. No, no, no. That's what husbands out there do. But, but, but I'm a Christian husband. And a Christian husband does not behave like that. They think differently. And this would be true on the other side, ladies. A Christian wife does not want some other man. And talk about, you know, him. And man, I tell you what, I bet he this and I bet he that. Come on. Come on. Amen. I mentioned as an employer, if you are a Christian employer, your job is not to, your, your number one thought is, is to, I'm going to make as much money as I can and I don't care who, who I have to step on to get it. That, is, that may be the way the world functions, but you're a Christian employer. Certainly you want to make money. God is for you making money. You're in business to make money, but you don't destroy people on the way to making it. Because you're a Christian. And as I said last week, if you're a Christian employee, you don't show up when you feel like it. You don't show up with an attitude. You don't get mad when the boss tells you what to do. After all, he is the boss. Nobody's a boss of me. Now, I, I don't, I, I said enough about politics last week to make everybody mad, so I don't want to get back down in that rabbit hole too far. But we got to quit giving away money to everybody. We got to get, make people, we, here's what a lot of people need. 
get out the couch, get out the door and go to work. I'm not talking about the elderly and I'm not talking about people that are hurting and I'm not talking about, the, you know what I'm talking about. We were talking yesterday. Here's what I learned so you don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pinpointing anywhere. Lazy knows no color. I know, listen, I know some really lazy white folk. My God, we used to say it from where I was right, they wouldn't hit a lick at a snake. They wouldn't have a job in a pie tasting factory tasting pie. Lazy knows no color. If you're an employee, you ought to be the most efficient, the most proficient. You ought to be the most on time. Your attitude ought because you know, the other employees, are, they'll contaminate you. Oh, that's a stupid old thing they make us do out here. I hate this whole thing. They're just, they don't treat us right, blah, 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 blah. And you, for a while, you're just having, you're working along doing good. And it's like, didn't that stuff get you in your head? Then it gets in your heart and then all of a sudden you're mad. You're mad at it. You're mad at everything. You're cussing the machine and cussing the boss and cussing everything around you. Amen. We're Christians. The Bible says, let me give you a verse that I have to apply to myself. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I've perfected this because I have to put up with you. But, the Bible says, let me, let me give you a scripture. If you have trouble liking your job or doing well on your job or, or having the right mindset for your job, let me give you the scripture for it. Whatever you do. How much? Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. So ultimately, you're not going to work for the man. You're going to work for God. God gave you the job. Father, I'm going to, thank you. Thank you, Lord, you let me go to work today. Wow, thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, Lord, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work my hardest. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have the best attitude I can possibly have. If I catch myself drifting into any of that other stuff, I'm going to remind myself that I'm a Christian. And I'm not just doing it as unto the company or as unto the man or as unto the U.S. Army. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And if you can get that in your heart, it'll change you. It'll change you. But what's more important is it's going to send out something to other people. And they're going to say, why doesn't she get mad the way we're getting mad over here? Why doesn't she have the attitude? I mean, come on, man. They're not treating her fair either. How come she's not getting mad over here? She ought to be getting mad too. But see, they begin to find out you're different. Because you're a Christian. See, Christians, what are we doing? We're portraying Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm representing Christ. The Bible actually calls us his body in the earth. Now, over in, uh, well, let's read more, one more verse real fast. Are you with me? All right. First Peter four from the message Bible. Listen to this. If you're abused, verse 14, because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. I wonder how many Christians have ever been abused just because they're a Christian. If you haven't, you haven't been much of a Christian. Is it possible? It's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you, listen to this, to the notice of others. Other people noticed you 
because there was some God in you. They don't notice you if you go along and sin with them. Amen? Read on. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, well, now that's a different matter. So if people are on you because you've done wrong, they have a right to be. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. So there's something about, there's something about when someone uh, uh, persecutes you for being a Christian, the Bible says you ought to be, it's something to be noticed. Not because you had the big Bible, not because you were real preachy. I'm not telling you you got to go in and preach Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Most of those people that do that all the time, I'm I'm not really impressed with them. You know, I'm not talking about you going in, you know, you're a zombie. And you're, you know, you go in to go to work. You know, when I went to paint houses, I went to paint houses. And, And that's what I did. Now, listen to this from the New Living Translation. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Can you shout amen? Amen. Praise God for the privilege of someone calling you by his name. William Wilberforce wrote a great book called Real Christianity years and years and years ago. He said Christianity has been successfully attacked and marginalized because those who profess belief were unable to defend the faith from attack, even though its attackers' arguments were deeply flawed. In other words, we haven't, we haven't been great examples, man. I mean, it, it's pretty easy to dispel someone's attack on Christianity if you'll just live the life. It's not just a bunch of words. Can you shout amen? What is a Christian? Okay, being a Christian is a journey. Everybody say a journey. Now, while we're going to present to you the things that we ought to be as a Christian and the way we ought to live, because the Bible tells us, there's no, there's no mystery about how we should live. The Bible tells us how to live. I mean, it's not like God left us with a bunch of questions with no answers. He told us how to live, who to associate with, who to not associate with, where to go, where to not go, what to say, what to not say. I mean, God actually gave us answers to all these questions. But it is a journey. And there are going to be times because we're still in a human body, we're not going to always say or do the right thing. God understands that. That's where not grace, but mercy comes in. Grace was to get you born again because it's a gift that you couldn't earn. Grace got you born again. Then grace is supposed to be able to give you the power to not sin, not the permission to continue to sin. That's why Paul said, should we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. And yet we got people preaching it left and right from the pulpits today that grace is it. Well, you know, grace covers all that. No, when you sin and you know you sin and you are a Christian, you need to go to God for mercy. You throw yourself on the mercy of God. Now, thank God he is merciful. But the mercy is Okay, I'm going to have mercy on you for this, but you've got to get this straight. You've got to correct it. You, got to, you need to grow some more. He's not going to say, oh, honey, I'm just going. Come on, it's all right. You did that. I mean, it's good. We're all we're tight, right? God's not going to say, we're tight. We got that fixed. Don't worry. You go do it again. It's all right. No, he told that woman caught in the sin of adultery. What did he tell her? Go and do what? 
and the way the world's preached today is go and send some more. Because we got some more grace back here. Just go on, go and get, go, go and send some more. Come, come on back here. We got all you want. And that is not the message. Can you shout amen? I got a smile now. Because when you preach these kind of messages, you got a smile. So pastor being mean today, pastor mad today, pastor angry today. I'm not, I, I, I want to get you up to the next level. Everybody say bam. bam. All right. Now, so being a Christian is a journey. We're not perfect and God will give you space to grow. But when you do miss it, you need to go back to God then and get it fixed. I said this morning, the problem that we have in the church today is we don't have any conscience. The Bible says, our, it talks about your conscience being serious. In America today, there are Christians that'll go out clubbing and not even feel anything about, like wrong about clubbing. We got Christians that'll sleep with their boyfriend or their girlfriend casually as if, well, you know, we just, you know, we just kind of together, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you are a Christian and you're trying to walk with Christ and be like Christ, when you do sin, you should feel something. Oh, Lord, I'm, your conscience should bother you. You should not be able to go where you used to go without having a conscience about it. You shouldn't be unconscious anymore to sin. Anybody home today? We used to preach in America. We used to tell people and try to help people kind of raise their Christian walk up, but, but we've become so permissive with everything. And what has it gotten us? Has it strengthened our nation? No. The reason we have a weakened nation is not because of weakened politi politicians, although we have an overabundance of them. We have a weakened church. And that's why we have a weakened nation. But it's up to the pastors to get back in the pulpit and say, man, we got to follow God here. Come on, man. What are we doing, people? We got to get back in line and follow the Lord. Quit just drifting out in the world and being like the rest of them. Amen. Being, number two, being a Christian is identifying with Christ. Now, what does that mean to identify with Christ? It means that you have decided that your life, you want your life to look like his. Amen. So that when people think of you, they think of him. Now we've been married 39 years. We work together. We live together. This is my best friend on the planet. It's not even close. Amen. I don't have any homies that are even with a million miles of close to being as close as my, my wife and I are. Now, I'm going to use my line that I've used a million times. You just henpecked. You henpecked. That pastor, he henpecked. Well, I'd rather be henpecked than friendpecked because the hen can do things that the friend can't do. Just want to remind you. But people that have known us, now Ginger's sister sitting right here, Dorothy. Dorothy was one of the few people, she and her husband Lonnie, that when we started dating, that loved on us. Yep. This woman loved on us, invited us to her house. 
We had people in our family, and my family especially, that, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, they were making all kinds of stuff up. And we used to go to her house. But we've been married so long now that when people say William, they'll, a lot of them will say William and Ginger or Ginger and William. Why is that? Because we're one. It's hard to separate one from the other now. It's like, oh, it's William and Ginger. So Greco and Valerie, right? Vince and Paula over here, right? And I could go right. Armando and even the newlyweds here. You see what I'm saying? So I identify when people, my identity, part of my identity is with her and part of her identity is with me. She took on my name. Now, I know we're in a popular time in America where some of the women started keeping their last names, you know, when they got married. You can do whatever you want to. I'm, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I think if a man asks you to marry him, you should take his name. Amen. I just think that's right. Amen. But I will say this, men. If she's given up her name to take your name, you need to live up to your name. If she's been willing to give up part of her identity, which was her name, to take yours on, then you better, you better, you better not be jacked up. Amen. Amen. Number three, we are name bearers. Kind of leads into what I just said. I bear the name of Jesus. I bear his name. He's not here anymore. He left me his name. He said, in my name, you can do this. And in my name, you can do that. And in my name, you can do that. In other words, I'm giving you the power of attorney to use my name. So be very judicious how you use it because after all, it's not your name, it's mine. And you shouldn't just be putting that name on anything. Don't you dare put my name on something that I wouldn't put my name on. Don't you dare say something is right that you know I said wasn't right. Don't you dare approve of something and put my name and attach it to it when you know I disapproved of it. Amen? I have to be, I have to think about that and I'm going to go back again to the relationship between a husband and wife. I have to understand that if I do something dishonorable to, the lap, to my name, to, to Luffman, it, it immediately dishonors her. Even if she didn't do anything, she didn't do a single thing. But I run out over here and do, do a little mess around this little thing over here, do this little thing out over here and over here, and it gets out and goes around in the community. And next thing you know, it's bringing shame to her, and she was innocent. She's sitting at home being a good wife. She's sitting at home doing like she's supposed to do, but then you go do something goofy like that. Now, you brought shame to the name, and she didn't do anything at all to deserve it. Are you catching this? And we'll just sling the name of Jesus. We'll just paste it on anything. We'll just sling it and put it in with anything and, and everything. And we don't understand, man. We're name, we're, we're his, we're name bearers. We have his name. But it's, it is a precious thing that needs to be treated as something very precious. That I don't just attach it to anything. Because it's his name. It's not mine. It's his and it's his reputation on the line. The reason a lot of the world does not want to become a Christian is we have not rightfully represented him. And they don't want to be attached to that. 
Can you shout amen? amen. John 14 and 9, we won't go there, but I, I said it to you last week. Jesus was having this exchange and finally he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, have I been so long with you and you've not known? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, that's not the oneness doctrine that people have tried to take that and, you know, name it Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, only one name. I know the whole, listen, I've been, I've been around a while, y'all. I've been a place or two. I've heard some preaching. No, what Jesus was saying was, I know you say you want to see Father God, but what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across to you, he was saying to them, is I don't say anything unless he tells me to say it. And I don't do anything unless first he tells me to do it. So in essence, you don't even need to see him. If you see me, you're seeing the Father. Because I'm not a distorted image of him. I'm not, I'm not freelancing and doing a little of my thing and a little bit of his thing. You catch that? I, I, I don't do some stuff I want to do and then the stuff he wants to do and leave him out when I want to leave him out and bring him in when I want to bring him in. No, well, I want you to understand you'll never even, you don't have to see the father because just know that whatever I do, I'm doing what he does and I'm saying what he says. Yes. Yeah. But today's Christian wants to put their version. They're not want to do what he does and say what he says. They want to do what they want to do and bring Jesus in when they need him. Bring a little Christ in when they want him. Tell everybody about it when they need him. But, oh, wait a minute now. He's going to have to sit out over here. You're going to sit on the sideline over here on this one. And if we do that, the world will never see our Christ. Because we're giving them a distorted image of who he really is. And I want to tell you, that world is desperate to see the real thing. Well, I don't want to get into particulars because you guys know me. I love, 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 love people. I will always love people. I will love people I don't, uh, I don't understand. I will love people I don't agree with. I, I have the, I, and I'm not, this is not a, this is not a brag. It's a gift from God. I think to be a pastor, you have to have it on some level. I love people. Yeah. It gets me burned a lot of times, but I love people. And for that reason, I can love people that I totally disagree with. I can love people I totally don't understand. But I don't want to give them the impression that my love for them is condoning things that are not Christ-like. I don't want them to get that impression. I, I, I want them to understand. And, and we, have, we need to do better in the area of loving people. It is the first commandment. It is the first commandment. It is the first commandment. So we certainly need to do better at loving people that we don't agree with or we totally don't understand. But at the same time, we can't compromise our identity in Christ. Amen. The world is confused right now. We're so confused, we don't know where to go. We don't know where to do this, how to do that. I mean, I mean it's, it's upside down. You got teachers now that don't know what to call their students. And I'm not being mean, I'm not being harsh. I understand the plight of people on the other side of this that, that are struggling with what they're struggling with and I am very empathetic, sympathetic because I'm not there, I can't, I can't say I totally get it. So I'll at least give some benefit there from the fact that I know there's a real, I know that the struggle is real. It's not simplistic like some of us make it out to be. But, but can, you, can you not just see how, how we've gotten to a place now 
where nobody can identify with anything. And if there ever was a time when the world needs to see a real Christian, one who looks like Christ, sounds like Christ, does like Christ, loves people, loves a man, loved the sinners, but he didn't sin with them. Ate with the sinners, but didn't sin with them. The world needs that right now. We, we got to be careful that politics don't pull us in one way or the other. Maybe on one side over here, just accept everything. Maybe on the other side over here, just hate everything. Because neither one of those are right. We got to be the ones that love people. Jesus, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Now this man had it all going on. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. Baby, that's about as good as it could get in the flesh. If you're rich, you're young, you're a ruler, dude, you got it going on. But he said, you know, he was talking to him about really eternal life. He said, well, you, you, have you kept the commandments? He said, I've kept them, and he named some of them. Jesus did, because he knew he didn't keep all of them. But I like what it does say when it starts out. It said, Jesus beholding him, loved him. Before Jesus started the process of breaking him down and trying to get him to see the truth, he made sure he started it with love. I don't, I don't want us to become hate, haters of people because you can't, you can't help people if you hate them. You won't help people if you hate them. Dr. King made it very clear, you know, about the, the subject of hate and love. You know, the reason that we hate our brothers is because we don't know him. We let everybody else tell us what somebody's like, which is ridiculous. Instead of just getting to know somebody, you know, it's, it's a travesty, but it's also a trick of the devil. But if we learn to love people, and I mean genuinely love them, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to love them first, then it might be possible that that love's going to open the door for them to see the Christ in you. And all of a sudden, they see that your life is not as complicated as theirs. Not as confused, possibly, as theirs. And they go, wait a minute. They've got peace, and they seem to have it together, and they, they seem to have purpose, and they're not in torment, and they're not, they're not struggling with life, and they, they, they I, I want to know more. I, when I was out on that construction site for 20 years, um, now, I was pretty radical. I was a young guy. I had hair down to here. I was a Christian, though. I was, I mean, when I say I was a Christian, I was a sold out, born again, I love God with all my heart kind of Christian. I got saved during the hippie movement, man. I was a hippie. Praise God. And, um, but I was out on that construction site, and even though I was pretty, you know, bold, you know, you know the stories about me playing the preaching tapes and the music and <laughs> painting Jesus this big on the roof and paper on the houses. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Uh, but at the same time, I loved those guys that I was with out there. I really did. They knew it. It was weird. Paul and I were out there. They couldn't stand the fact that we were playing Christian music and preaching. They'd have their hammers in there. The, the carpenters would be in the other room and the plumbers would be in another room. And you hear them going blankety blank music. That blanket music's driving me crazy, you know. Because the rule on the job was, of course, as I told you, the first one there got to rule the airwaves. Well, honey, I made sure I was always the first one there. And I had like 500 foot of extension cords because the temporary might be, you know, way down there because I was working on new construction. And, and the temporary is the place where the electricity is that you 
patch into to do the work on the house. I'd be running across the mountain. I'd have just all kinds of, Pastor Ginger knows that, honey. She came out there. And, and so they go, I hate that blankety blank music. My God, it's driving me crazy, you know. I'd hear them in the other room smashing their finger, you know. Of course, I'm laughing. I'm in the other room and I'm, I'm, lo- I'm, in, I'm loving every minute of it. And, uh, but I will tell you this, as much as they hated to see us there because they knew more than likely the music or preaching tapes were going, they actually liked us. You want to know why? We didn't hit them over the head with the Bible. We didn't go in there and tell them they were all devils and demons. We got to know them. They got to know us. We'd stand around during break time and talk about uh, the baseball scores from the night before the NFL game on Sunday. You know, we talk about stuff that they related to and we just hang out. We're just guys in there. But see, because I loved them, even the stuff that they couldn't stand, they still wanted to be around us. I work with the two Harley riders. I told you this, and I'm going to close in a minute. I work with those two Harley riders. I told you about them, man. These were, I'm going to excuse the phrase, but they were hell raisers. And I mean, these are hardcore. These are the kind you you would imagine if you pulled them out of a magazine or a movie. They had hair down to here, scruffy beards. They they drove old Harley Davidsons because the new ones were not authentic, they would tell you. They, They knew all about the history of the Harley Davidson. And I mean, they smoked, they smoked dope all the time, man. I mean, they, I'd catch them around the side of the house. Hey, man, I'm just trying to get ready for the next move. I'm like, oh, God. How long will you suffer me to be out here, Jesus, you know? <laughs> and they hated the music. Oh, God, they hated when we'd bring Petra out there. This is a Christian rock band. Or we'd, we'd try, and they hated it. And yet... Those guys, I knew they liked us. And it, when we built, I told you this, when we built our first house, we didn't finish our basement out so we didn't have the money. We had a little 1,089 square foot house, brand new that, you know, you've heard me tell you that my contractor that I worked for built it for us because we couldn't afford to go to the bank and he financed it. And this is a 1984, a brick home, $36,500. Can you imagine paying $36,500 for a new brick home in 1984? Man, most of our cars cost more, more than that, right? But we couldn't finish the basement out. And I know I've told you this, but some of you haven't heard it. And I want to hear it again. So, And so we, could, we, didn't, we couldn't finish the basement out. And these two Harley riders... I said, man, if I could just build a divider wall in that basement so I could set up part of it for Granny and Paul, at least have a wall to separate it from the little one-car garage. I had a one-car garage over on the other side. I said, if I could just do that, at least we could live, get something going. I said it one day, and I didn't say it. I I just said it. I didn't even know that they heard me say it. I get home, and all of a sudden, I hear, hear, boom, 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 boom. Well, I knew what that was. I'd heard that fired up on the job a few times. One of these guys, oh my God, he knows where I live. You know, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Oh God, what have I done? (laughs) And then I heard a pow, pow, pow. And I thought, oh God, because one of them had an old truck they'd drive every now and then. And here they come pulling up. Next thing I know, they're jumping out. They got saws. They got sheetrock. They've got two bys and nails. Hey, little buddy. He always called me little buddy. Hey, little buddy. 
where you want that wall built? I said, do what? He goes, that wall you want to build? I heard you talking about it. I said, he goes, we're here to build it for you. I said, now wait, man, I'm, I, I want to tell you up front. The reason it's not built is because I'm broke. <laughs> I don't have no money, man. <laughs> There's nothing here for you. And he goes, oh, no, no, don't worry about it, little buddy. We got it. They went downstairs and about three hours, they put that wall up for me. I wonder if I'd been a wishy-washy Christian. Cussed with them, smoked dope with them, hung out with them. Now, you said, well, then they probably would have come over there. You know what? They told me later on, they said, you know one thing? I have to say this for you guys. You really believe what you say you believe. They told us that. You really believe what you say you believe. I said, yes, we do. You know what they said to me? Wow. You know what that wow, that one little word wow, and that sentence meant to me? They'd seen a lot of the other kinds. A lot of other kinds that said, I love Jesus, pass me that joint. You know, we're trying to legalize marijuana now. Oh, like that's a really important thing for us to do in America. There's so many things that we're making priorities in America right now that are just making my head spin. Meanwhile, we still got the inner city still torn up, still being shot up, people living in squalor. I told El Greco yesterday, when we would go over to Lincoln Homes, which we did for years and years and years and years in Clarksville, and we would go to Summit Heights and we'd go into the inner city and we did this for years. It would break my heart to watch some of those little girls and boys run out of there because the reason it would break my heart is I thought, we're going to have fun here for a couple hours. We're going to preach the gospel. I believe it's going to get them, one day they'll get saved and get to heaven. I believe in the power of the gospel. But I knew they were going right back into those homes. And the so-called politicians who cared didn't care. And it didn't matter which side of the aisle they're on, they didn't care. You know, and, and I said, you know, it just is sad. If we as Christians would really be Christians, I mean thoroughbred Christians. Everybody say thoroughbred. thoroughbred. If we'd become thoroughbred Christians, we could help some things in this country that needs help. We, we've already known that, that, that the government is not the answer. We got to have them, not against them. We got to have police, y'all. We, don't, we need to weed out the bad ones, but we still got to have them. Uh, there's stuff we got to have, but they're not the answer. But if the Christians would be what they should be. I remember one of the little kids that we ministered to early on when we were downtown in the old building, we'd done one of the early sidewalk ministries over there. And I can't remember what this little girl was maybe, I'm going to just throw, I'm not sure, we'll say six. And we were over there doing these sidewalk ministries every week and we were taking them stuff and candy and playing games with them and loving on them and hugging on them and all that. And I remember she came to this church as a grown-up here back a few years ago, and I think she moved on, and she just came and said, I'll never forget when you guys used to come over there. And she said, I'm here today because you guys came over there. And see, the world needs the real. They don't need the fake. They don't need the 50% Christian. They need people that are thoroughbred, sold out, authentic. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.